Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, Go ahead, and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Patton Oswalt is a beloved and prolific actor, comedian, author, writer, and once-in-a-generation talent who currently resides in Los Angeles, California. 
Originally from Virginia, Oswald is an Emmy and Grammy Award winner and multi-nominee for other prestigious awards, which have recognized his work as a gifted stand-up comedian, performer, and writer over the past 30 years. To name but a few, his film and TV credits include starring or smaller roles in things like Ratatouille, The Secret Life of Pets 2, The King of Queens, Young Adult, Teen Titans, AP Bio, Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Zoolander, Mr. Show with Bob and David, Gravity Falls, and a whole host of other projects including voiceover work for the Goldbergs and various popular video games. He has released some of the finest comedy albums and specials of this century, including my all-time favorite stand-up record, 2007's Werewolves and Lollipops. He has published two best-selling non-fiction books, has written comic books, appeared in music videos, and look, Patton simply works very, very hard. He's very, very good at everything he does. Please Google it. I can't do the whole litany and list of things. It's too much stuff. He's constantly working. It's all very strong. I love Patton, as you can tell by this intro. Please, if you if you need more information, look it up. I don't mean to make you do work during this introduction, but please. Anyway, he's just great. He does a lot of stuff. Ahead of the release of several new projects, Oswald is performing at the 2022 edition of JFL Montreal on Friday, July 29th, and at Massey Hall in Toronto on July 30th. As such, Patton and I reconnected for a talk about his recovery from COVID-19 and touring the United States during a fraught, divisive time in its history as a country, libertarian nihilism and punk rebellion, why he made a statement before a show the night the Supreme Court repealed Roe v. Wade, pondering the comedic duo The Good Liars and wondering how satire can function when hatred, ignorance, and classism are so intertwined, his perspective on why comedians love the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal and how that festival has both set a standard and improved over the years, his brilliant turn in the innovative new film I Love My Dad, his role in the new Netflix adaptation of Neil Gaiman's comic book The Sandman, the launch of his very own comic book series Minor Threats, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, which is the primary source of income uh, for this podcast from me and my family, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf from Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 705 of Creative Control, featuring a genuine hero of mine, the lovely and talented Patton Oswalt with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Patton. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. Lovely to uh, see you again. Uh, where in the world are you today? I'm in Los Angeles. Ah, nice. How's your day yeah. shaping up uh, in L.A. there? Uh, it's been a long one. I've been, you know, we're, we're I'm doing press all morning, so this is hour two of the press, and then uh, oh. I got other stuff I got to go film today, and so it's 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 a bit uh, intensive right now. 
Oh wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I appreciate you making time for me, and I Thanks I see for, just yeah, by yeah. your just by your current Twitter bio, I, I know you're up to a lot of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. And by the way, well, I hope we talk about it. I I was sent a screener of I Love You, Dad, and I watched it the other night. It's remarkable. Oh, really, really thank fantastic. you. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I, I appreciate that. Wow, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, I, I want to ask you about it in a moment, but um, sure. I was I was listening to your podcast. Uh, uh, did you get my text there? And I, re- I learned you had COVID. I want to say it was in June. Um, if that's correct, how are you feeling? Yeah, back in June. I'm, I'm feeling fine now. I got it June 10th, tested on June 17th. It was gone. And so now I'm just kind of, you know, I, I have this vague exhaustion, but that also might be from all the, the press uh, death march that I'm on right now. So that could also be it. I understand. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Was it was it rough uh, at its worst or was it pretty OK? Uh, it was annoying. You know, I, I was vaxxed and double boosted, so I didn't really get symptoms. Hmm. It just felt like I had the edges of a flu for a week. And okay. I also had to isolate in place in a hotel room in Savannah. So that was uh, also a little crazy making, but it, it was, it ended up being okay. Oh, sorry. Did this occur while you were on the road? I was uh, filming a TV show. I've, I've been going back and forth to Savannah shooting a TV series. So this shut me down for a week and I had to like isolate there. Oh, I see. Okay. Not fun. <laughs> well, I'm happy to, you sound great. You sound and look uh, great. Oh, if I, if, thank I, if, you. I, if I may say so. Uh, you have done some touring uh, during this pandemic, I believe. Uh, what has yeah. it been? What has that been like for you? Given not just the pandemic, but people in your country uh, and the state of your country, how has uh, being back on the road been for you? I mean, I require proof of vaccination, and you know, and I well, I strongly suggest masks at my venue, even though we're not allowed to. That. Now, I had to cancel a bunch of gigs in Florida right at the beginning of the pandemic because they absolutely would not let the venues ask for proof of vaccination or masking. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I think I'm a little lucky in that, you know, I have the kind of fans that they're going to wear masks and be vaccinated anyway. They're not doing that defiant dipshittery that you're seeing a lot now Yeah, of like no masks, no vaccines, we're living free, and then it's just a giant super spreader. So, you know, I just, I don't bother with that. We have this here in Canada, too, uh, the no mask mandate, and they've loosened all the restrictions. I'll tell you, uh, from my own perspective, it's very, uh, it's not only anxiety-inducing, it's uh, ang- it makes me angry. Uh, yeah. How are you, do you have... An emotional <laughs> uh, response to this, and how are you managing that? Because I think of, I could see you having uh, shared sentiments as myself. Uh, how are you dealing with that? Well, the, the cognitive, the cognitive dissonance, if you will. I'm I'm not handling it well. It, it doesn't speak well for us as a species, and for us as a society that. Now it's just I, I didn't think that pure nihilism would become what the herd was into. I thought nihilism always ed- lived at the edges. So if nihilism is going to be how the mass of the population acts, then I don't know how much longer that's going to last yeah. as a species. Yeah. And of course, all the cases are going up, all these new variants, because all these half measures make stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger mutations. Yeah. And uh, someone pointed out. HIV takes 8 to 10 years to turn into AIDS. HPV takes 10 years to turn into cancer. We don't know what this is going to turn into in 10 years. Yeah. This is just the beginning. We don't know what the long-term effects are. And because I caught it, my wife just caught it, everyone I know has caught it, we went out of our way to try to avoid it. But it felt like everyone's like, no, I'm dragging you all in. Like, 
it felt like this mass of nihilists were like, no, let's all just get it and let's see who lives. Yeah. And so that decision was made for us. And it it's very, very enraging because now I have what could be a ticking time bomb inside of me. Yeah. Because somebody wanted to go to Applebee's. Mm-hmm. That's right. You There's know. no, I mean, we're seeing it across the board. There's no real value of other people's lives. This has manifested no. itself, certainly as a person of color and, uh, you know, people in marginalized communities are quite used to this. It's just fat, like the, um, you know what I'm talking about? Just the lack yeah. of empathy, oh. the lack of caring. Right. I mean, a movement had to be called. And lack, lack of empathy is a, lack of empathy is a weird badge of courage and a, like a weird way to show your status. Yeah. It's become a weird status thing to like, I have enough status that I don't have to care. And I need to show people that I don't care because that will show you my status and my worth. It's like, there are all these rules for people. And then once people know, and I've seen a lot of this in LA, when, when someone's like, hey, th this is the procedure. Please enter to the left, exit to the right, keeps everything flowing. And then there's always one person going, but if I want to enter to the right, that's okay. Like they have to show that they're the exception because that's how they show status yeah. and that's how they show worth. Yeah. So once everyone was like, please wear a mask, please keep six feet distant. What if I don't want to? What are you going to do? You can't do anything. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's it's a little weird when there are people doing stuff now that's harmful to other people and ultimately harmful to them. And you go, why are you doing this? And their answer is because fuck you. <laughs> it's just this weird cackling nihilism that, that because they want to show status. Yeah. It's interesting because I've been trying to as someone who's sort of steep in punk and mm -hmm. some measure of of questioning authority. But also we're recognizing that that questioning is meant to better everyone's life, not just, you know what I'm getting at there? Like, this is a different, uh, yes. they, I feel like they've co-opted, <laughs> some of these people are co-opting ideals that that I I can sort of relate to the questioning and I can relate to wanting to stand out, like you're saying, but it's for the opposite end. It's not going to better anything. Exactly. And it's very confusing because I'm like, the, they're boycotting the pro here in Canada. We have mass protests, people going to the nation's capital. I mean, you guys have it, too. They're, it's it's yeah. interesting. They're co-opting and adopting, I would say, uh, leftist theater, but for the opposite end. It's really weird. For complete and utter destruction, not to make things better. Sorry, that wasn't a question. Well, they're also, they're also co-opting anarchy and nihilism and not understanding what either of those things mean. Yes. Nihilism from the punk scene came from – nihilism was a reaction to – you have literally taken all hope away from, from me and, and you've shut off, so I may as well. These are people that have choices, have avenues, and they want to shut those things off for themselves and other people. Yeah. Again, to show their status, to show that they can. Yeah. And uh, they, they want anarchy. Everyone that always yells about anarchy, don't they never understand what anarchy actually means. Mm. It's self-governing and it ultimately turns into just survival of the fittest the biggest and strongest win yeah. and and the people that are always yelling for anarchy I always want to go you're the first that will die in anarchy yeah. you you are you're asking for a system that will you'll be dead because of it right do you know what I'm Absolutely. saying like you're, yeah. you you don't understand you know I forgot who who I forgot who wrote this but they said libertarians are like house cats they completely are disgusted with a system 
that they don't understand and actually benefit off of. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, that's what a, you know, that's what that is. I think I, I remember that it was a tweet that you're sort of paraphrasing, right? I think it was someone's tweet and I forgot who said it. I did not say that. I wish I remember who said it. It was so perfect. <laughs> I saw it too, for what it's worth. And, yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is an interesting time because people are able to articulate and express themselves in ways that I find, because I've been dealing with the, the fact that satire and comedy isn't really the bomb it was for me in the past no. on some level. Like, it's just hard yeah. to figure it out. But you're on Twitter all the time. You're seeing people figure out ways. I see you share lots of stuff. I think you're seeing that people are kind of rising to the occasion the best they can, even though it's the worst, most, you know, doom-laden... Yeah, <laughs> the people have always done that. People did it yeah. during World War II with the rise of Nazism. People did it in post World War II America with Jim Crow and these horrible pre Civil Rights yeah. era that they had to live in. People found a way to make fun of and get humor out of what was going on, and people are going to find a way to do it now in the face of what looks like, if not actual Armageddon, societal Armageddon, at the hands of these people that are just grinning and laughing while they ruin things because. I get to be the bad boy now, even if it means my death. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Well, yeah. I want to ask you about how this stuff has impacted you in your work as a, a comedian. Um, you are not usually afraid to address what's going on in the world in your act, which I have always loved and appreciated. Um, and I know you've got, you know, the occasion for us talking today is uh, you're you're going to be at uh, JFL and you're going to be in Toronto. You're going to you're coming to mm-hmm. Canada to do some comedy. In a gen- yeah, yeah. I don't want you to spoil anything, but in a general sense, uh, is the state of your country in particular and the state of the people we've been talking about, is it entering your comedy? Will we experience this if we see you live? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you can't, if I didn't, if I, if I only talked about what was going on in my country and in the world, I think my act would be unwatchable. So I don't do that, but yes. I do acknowledge it. Because if I did, if I completely didn't acknowledge it, it would feel like I'd gone insane. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm like, I'm trying to give you guys a little bit of breathing room and maybe poke a couple of jokes at what's going on that will maybe give you some perspective or some courage, but I, I can't dwell that deeply on it. Okay. I want to read people listening something that you posted on Twitter on June 25th. Uh, it stems from uh, an opening statement you made. I believe this is when Roe versus Wade was overturned. Is it okay? I have a little, I have it here. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, please. So this is the quote, and again, you attribute it to yourself. My show tonight is going to be extra silly and goofy, because if I get within a mile of how I'm really feeling right now, no one's going to have any fun. So if you are one of the people cheering the death of Roe versus Wade today or yesterday, rest assured there's nothing in tonight's show that will offend you or make you walk out. But also know that I absolutely despise you. This hour-long sanity bath isn't for you. So, first of all, Patton, like I can appreciate why you'd feel compelled to say that and share and share it on Twitter, and, and mm-hmm. I can also appreciate that your fans of yours would be aligned with such a statement. But can you expand yeah. upon why you chose not only to say this, and I don't know if you said it multi- every night after that, um, why you chose... I just said it that one night. One night, okay. So No, no, I said it two nights, that night and the night after, and then that was it. Okay, so can you expand upon, like I say, I appreciate it, your fans would get it. Can you expand upon why you chose not only to say it, but share it uh, on, on socials? Uh, I'm just curious. Well, I, I didn't really, other people had written out what I said 
that were at the show and were posting it. So I just reposted it. And it was, uh, I didn't know that it would catch on like that. I just, I just, it was how I felt in the moment. It was one of those, I just want this to be part of this show right now. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think that w- when you're, when you're celebrating, uh, terrorizing other people and, and taking away people's freedoms and people's liberty, their, 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 their ability to make choices and, and your reasoning is because fuck you. Yeah. I mean, that was a lot of people there. Like I was watching people on Twitter. These a lot of these pro lifers weren't, but I care. But they were just like, "Cause fuck you!" Like, like they just again. I just I I suddenly matter in the world because I took something away from someone. I don't matter any other way. So so I'm like, if that's how you're going to be, then you have to know that you don't get to walk around. Then then own that. If that's how you're going to be, then own that. Know that people fucking hate you. Yeah. And keep grinning. Keep grinning through all that hatred. You know, have um. Hey, um, Brett Kavanaugh, you're going to have to sneak out the back of a restaurant and miss your fucking dessert yeah. because uh, people are angry that you took women's agency away from them. You're going to have to miss your dessert, Brent. Sorry. <laughs> Got to miss your dessert. I hope you're okay. There, there's, I mean, because like you were saying earlier, a lot of these maggots think that they are – we're punk rock and we're the new – and then everyone that they have worshipped throughout the years, they find out hates them. Yes. You know, yeah. there's nothing more fun than watching these people realize that, like, hey, Rage Against the Machine was like, I went to their concert last night. And, like, they're saying, like, all the stuff about against us pro-lifers. I mean, what the fuck? What the fuck? When did they get so woke? And it's like, oh, dude. Like, everyone that you esteem, everyone that these that these chuds have loved throughout the years, that Arnold Schwarzenegger and... Raising them, she all all fucking hate them. Yeah, all of them fucking hate them. Yeah, when Bill Burr went on and his um net, the the um Bill Burr friends who kill and yeah. just ripped into Kyle Rittenhouse and Ellie's like, what the fuck? What happened to Bill? It's like, no, he's always hated you assholes. Yeah, right. You just couldn't see it. Right, right. So. What do we do with this now, Patton? Sorry, uh, we're not going to solve the world's problems today, you and I. I appreciate this. No. But. Hell no. But when I was saying earlier about how satire and comedy and pointing out people's hypocrisy and idiocy, like, it's not doing it for me the way maybe it did 15 years ago. If I'm listening to you or David Cross or somebody kind of, you know, belittle these folks, because it's just more than sad now. As you mentioned, it's affecting everyone. It's killing people. This idiocy. It's not. Well, it was also because because before Trump, there was a sense of shame about. Yeah. Oh, you know, I don't want to be racist. I want to be, and now it's like, no, I'm going to be. I'm going to double down on everything. Look, this is something we're going to have to live through. This is a generation yeah. dying out, and this is their last howl. These are the baby boomers. This is their last temper tantrum, and we're going to have to live through it. But you see, like then, you, then you see a proud boy, an oath keeper, rather, I think it was, in a Descendants t-shirt mm-hmm. a, a, in Congress. And that's not the baby boomer. That's, I mean, that's probably right. someone of our vintage. Then you're like, okay, and the, it's spawning, you know? Because there's, oh, there were, there of, oh, well, you, you, you remember going to school and there was the one kid that couldn't get along with the other kids and was, but he was friends with all the adults and teachers because <laughs> he wasn't, I mean, that, that's basically Jesse Waters on Fox. Jesse Waters was the guy mm. that. The other kids could smell a narc a mile away, so he just started <laughs> hanging out with the fucking adults, and they're like, wow, you're so wild and funny. He goes, by by default, yes, he is. He's the yeah. wild, funny guy on yeah. Fox, but he's a fucking stiff, and he's a total um, doorknob tattletale. So, you know, there's no um, 
there's always going to be those people that just didn't fit in or or they didn't they weren't immediately popular so they just began resenting everyone yeah you know ben yeah. shapiro desperately wishes he was cool and funny elon musk was going to spend 44 billion dollars to force people to say that he was funny yeah you know that yeah. that 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 hurt is a very real thing and it has driven a lot of evil shit on this planet so you know there's always going to be that and 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 again uh, the, the the descendants tweeted out Fuck yes. these guys. Yeah. I don't know why that take that fucking T-shirt off. Fuck you. You know, and I'm sure that guy was like, those are my heroes. Well, they fucking hate. I mean, yeah. there's that great interview with Bruce Springsteen where they mentioned uh, Governor uh, um, Chris Christie. Christie. Yeah. And uh, who who worships Springsteen and Springsteen is just motherfucking him. <laughs> like, guy's a fucking loser. Just laughing is that like. That's what you if you're going to live like that that's what your fucking heroes are going to think about you. Yeah. Yeah, I I think what I'm hearing more and more uh, is an articulation that people don't really know how to fix these things by voting by the processes in place and that's where it's that's kind of where I'm at. Like I don't like I follow these guys the good liars. I like them. But then when they yeah. highlight how dumb these people are I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. We know they're dumb. Yeah. Like clearly, what and do we it's do? Also, with, it's a yeah. little depressing. It's like I love the good liars too, uh, but after a while, it's like, why? Why aren't we helping these people not be as dumb yeah. rather than carting them out like sideshow freaks? Exactly. Maybe this... try to educate them. I mean, somebody along the way didn't care for this person, didn't take the time to help them along, and they got left behind. And everyone was okay. And probably, uh, probably progressive liberal um, students, smarter students, made fun of this person and made them even angrier and more isolated. So yeah, try to, if you can try to bring those people along, it's, it's the people that, what I'm talking about are the people that know better, that are actually are smart enough. When someone like a Newt Gingrich is like, well, you know, climate change is still up in the air. He knows that it's real. He fucking knows that it's real, but it makes him money to go, oh, we don't really, it's the site because he's got to please his fan base to keep the money rolling in. That kind of cynicism is what is what bothers me. Well, and I will, I will say, uh, as I know it's very difficult to, to have empathy for people who are uh, supporting evil, if not evil themselves. Like you say, they might mm-hmm. just be ignorant. But what I see right. on display is is a different kind of marginalization than we tend to talk about because we focus more on uh, I think in the left we t- we we really focused on racism or transphobia or these sorts of things and when I see these folks I see pain and hurt stemming from economic disparity classism you know lack of education a lot of their lashing out and belief in conspiracy theory seems to be because they feel like they got left behind by the intellectuals right like the education system yeah so this is where i'm like this is just sad now i can't laugh at it anymore is where i'm coming from no classism is the thing that they use racism homophobia transphobia as the smokescreen because if they can keep us all fighting each other yeah then we won't start fighting them yeah um the people that sold jobs overseas the people that exploit workers yeah and it would, you know, I mean, some people like the Reverend Barker are trying to bring everyone together. It's trans people. It's gay people. It's it's white, straight, working class. You are all being equally exploited. And they're just giving they're giving each of you a thing to punch at each other on yeah. so that you won't turn your focus on them. Yeah. And it's always been there. 
I know. It's. I think it's frustrating because it's maybe more obvious to people like you and me. And then, like you say, these people get carted out. Yeah. And they think they're fighting a good fight and saying the right thing, and clearly they're not. So I'm starting to... It's frustrating for me. Anyway, <laughs> we have these problems in Canada, too, but I want to yeah. leave America for... Uh, and so I want to leave America for a moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Canadians realize how big a deal JFL is to comedians from around the world. Does it stand out from other festivals for you? I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was always a big deal... For me, I remember back when I started coming in the '90s. It just felt like because not only was it not only was it a great place to showcase yourself, but for me, who I genuinely love comedy, I love watching it as much as I love doing it. So it was a great place to go see new comedians mm-hmm. or see comedians that you knew and get to look at all their new stuff. Once you start becoming a touring comedian, you don't get to see your friends as much because you're all headlining and doing stuff. So getting to check in with people and see what they're working on and see all the new, you know, angles that they're bringing into things that you missed. I mean, it's just, it's always, that to me was, was what was so important about it, you know, was, oh, I get to check in with the community. This is great. (laughs) Is it different from other festivals in that regard though? No, but it was the one that kind of invented it. I mean, it's the template. You're you're at the, really the, the thing that, built that template that other festivals go off of. I see. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I, I even, even living here, I know it's a big deal. And I look at their lineup and like every giant comedian is there mm-hmm. playing, uh, performing. So I know it's a big deal. But I just, uh, where are there? There's one in Aspen and there's some in probably in California. But I don't know. I just wanted your perspective on it because you've probably well, done all of them. have popped up and they've never really lasted and this one has. Right. Aspen was there for a while. Oh, it's, a it's great gone? one in Portland. I think yeah. Aspen's gone. Oh, okay. I think the Portland one's gone. So, yeah, they just did this Netflix festival. We'll see if they do it again. But the Netflix was very – but it was, again, very much like JFL was – they kind of invented the template. Right. Okay. That's interesting that, to uh, hear, right? Other festivals either copy or rebel against. But if you're rebelling against something, you're still acknowledging that that template matters. So all of that was there. Are there aspects of, as a music festival fan and a comedy festival fan, there can be conventions that you're like, why are they doing this? What is going on? Is there anything about festivals that you're like, what the hell? Why are we doing it this way? I remember early on, and this, I think that they've refined this, but I remember especially during the, the New Faces, I was there one year, and New Faces is when like young comedians are really hoping to make, and for some reason... It had been scheduled at the same time as like some way bigger acts. Or I remember I was at this restaurant and all these Comedy Central executives were around this big banquet table eating. And I was like, the new faces is going on right fucking now. They should be there watching it. Like, yeah. especially new faces should be scheduled. I think they've, they've refined it and they've fixed that. But I remember going, that should be made the most convenient and the most like user-friendly for TV executives, for development people, not just to send their assistants for them to go. Right, right. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, I've I've heard that actually from some people wondering why new faces might be relegated in such a way. I want to jog your memory a little bit, and I'm going to stall by asking a longer question, but I want your... Okay. I'm wondering about fond JFL memories. So as your mind is churning... Can you think of anyone doing something particularly transcendent, or even for yourself, if something magical happened at JFL or someone breaking through, like you said, 
Can you think of anything? Does anything come to mind when you think of like, holy shit, that thing at JFL was like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I think I've stalled substantially enough. Has this, <laughs> has this helped you? I mean, yeah, there's combinations of those things. I remember uh, watching the, um, the Danger Zone, which was Mark Cohen's uh, show where he would have like Bob Odenkirk and David Cross go up and do sketches, Sarah Silverman. It was just very, very um, loose and had that feeling of we can maybe start messing around with the boundaries of what stand-up is at this point. I remember Todd Glass going up on that show. Yeah. I just remember hanging out in the city with David Cross and Bob Odenkirk and them taking me to, to a place called Fufu Electronique, which is this huge dance club. Yeah, and yeah. Um, but, the, but they were playing like they were playing like Fugazi's Waiting Room. Oh, like nice. in the dance club, and everyone's like hopping up and down. I'm like, this is fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and, and also just like being at the Delta Bar and watching like Willie Tyler and Lester talking to Dom Herrera or watching Bob Newhart talking with Tim Allen. Like, oh yeah, we're all just kind of in this together. It was. Oh. Just watching different people bump up against each other was fantastic. I will say, uh, you know, we we're talking. I was asking about the significance of JFL. Montreal can't be discounted here. It is a really fantastic city. Oh, Montreal is such a it's such a walking around friendly city, yeah. and it's a very it's very very European in that. Um, let's just walk around, and you feel safe on the streets, and it's great. And and night, especially late at night. It's still warm, but it's not as sweltering, and it's actually better to walk around at night. Yeah. No, I love it. I miss it. Yeah. I haven't been there in a while. I moved from Ontario to Edmonton, Alberta, so I'm very far away from everything. Oh, wow. Oh, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You've been to Alberta, I'm sure, at some point in your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been, uh, well, I've been to, I mean, I've been to Toronto, Vancouver, been all the way up. I've been all over, like, north and outside of Vancouver, like up in Yellowknife and places oh, yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. Wow. I don't think I've been up in Alberta. Oh, okay. Yeah, Calgary, Edmonton are this. Sorry. Major- no, no, it's fine. Hopefully someday. I'd like to see you in person if possible someday. again. Yeah. Let's get to, uh, I mentioned I Love My Dad. Uh, I It's wonderful. I really enjoyed this film, although it's very dark. Uh, before we get too much further in terms of what I was thinking, can you try to uh, summarize it a little bit in your own words for people who haven't yet seen it? It's out, uh, as we're speaking, it's out in August, I want to say. Uh, Friday, August 5th, it'll be in theaters. Um, it's an amazing movie. It's the the writer-director. Um, this happened to him. He also stars in it as himself, a version of himself. In real life, he had cut off his father from all social media connections, blocked his cell phone because they were estranged and it's going through a lot. But the kid was still going through – he was still going through some really bad personal stuff. So the father, yeah. who wanted to keep in contact with him, created a fake – Facebook profile of a hot young woman so that he could stay in communication. Catfished his own son, basically. Yeah, Stay right. in communication with him. Like, again, the the intention was good. The execution was, uh, oh boy. So, um, and that's kind of what this movie is about. Yeah. So it's a social media story. And like I say, it's got a really yes. dark charm to it. And I will say, so the way we've seen different TV and movies try to deal with how we interact on phones, they'll flash the text bubbles up on the screen as a yeah, graphic yeah. and all that stuff. The way the DMs are staged here oh, is wow. really in, it's really ingenious to me if I might say. And I Thank I don't know, you. Patton, you're a student of film and media. I can't think of an, <laughs> another movie that I've seen that is like this one. I know that sounds hyperbolic, but like I've just haven't come across this way 
of telling a contemporary internet story, if you will. Does that resonate with you? Does this, in your history of making things, does this film and its structure kind of stand out for you? Yeah, I mean, I won't give it away, but there's a really interesting device they use to illustrate how the texts are going and how the conversations are going. Yeah. Um, uh, that's pretty innovative. I'll let people discover it. But no, I've never seen anything like it. It's, yeah. it's pretty brilliant. I, I, and I mean, for you, you got to do a lot in this film, I feel like, physically, <laughs> yeah, uh, emotionally, uh, as a performance. Does this feel particularly, I gather it must have been draining. Was it yes, fun? Was it, was it challenging? It was very challenging. I'm not going to say it was fun. A lot of times when you make a really good movie, it's not fun, but it was um, it was definitely exhilarating and it definitely kept me on my toes. Yeah. Well, I don't want to spoil anything either, and I hope we haven't. Yeah. I just I think it's really remarkable, and kudos Thank to you. the uh, writer, director, and the and the star. Uh, yeah, James Morrissini is is a is a force of nature and did an amazing job with this film. Amazing. I don't mean to ask you to uh, do my research for me. Um, has he done a lot of other stuff? I wasn't familiar he with. He did him. one film before this uh, that he made called Three Something. That's also hilarious. But this is his first like big ensemble cast. You know, scripted. The first movie was pretty much improvised. This is a very very structured film. Yeah, has to be. And is his father still with us? Father's still with us, and Father came to one of the screenings at South by Southwest and did a Q&A after. Holy shit. What was that like? It was amazing. <laughs> it was, uh, it'll be the, it'll be on the bonus. It's on YouTube right now. You can go look it up. I'll let you discover it yourself. Okay. It's fascinating. I will check it out. Now, as I mentioned, you've got a lot of stuff coming up. Sandman. What What's going on with you and Sandman? I don't know what this is. This I haven't seen. Sandman is an amazing uh, comic series by Neil Gaiman, um, who, as you know, created Good Omens and... Yep. Um, American Gods and Coraline, uh, just a just an absolute genius. And he this was, but this was the thing that put him on the map, and it's been trying to be developed for decades. And uh, Netflix, I hope, looks like they did it right. They did a big, long ten episode, gorgeous, gorgeous looking show. And I play a talking raven who is the, um, <laughs> the Sandman, Lord of Dreams, Morpheus, whatever you want to call him. Right. Um, has always has a raven. With him, and I am the raven. I'm the I'm the raven that talks to him. Now, is this a? Is it not animated? Is it? What? How? What's this? No, this is live action. Okay. Are you in it, or is it, are you playing a, an animatronic? I'm uh, the voice. I'm the voice okay. of the uh, parrot. You're not in a yeah. raven suit, flapping wings and stuff. No, no, no. I was never in a raven. Suit. <laughs> You've also got some new specials I see coming out, and I think a record. Are, are those related? Well, yeah, the, the record will be the specials. Um, September, yeah. um, in September, my new Netflix special drops. And can you tell us what it's called? I don't know much about it at this point. It is called, well, they're going to announce it soon, so I can't say okay. anything. Yet. All right, fine. That's fine. I have to I... hang back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> when was it uh, captured, if I may ask that? I uh, filmed it in May. Oh, this pa- oh, 2022. Wow. Was, okay. Yes, exactly. Very fresh. Okay, that's great. Turn around. Yeah, I was just watching. Uh, Shoot, I'm sorry. What's the name of your last special, patent? I was, I was kind of marathoning stuff. What's the I last love one? everything. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, sorry. I couldn't, why yeah. couldn't I remember that? That's a fantastic... That's from 20, 2020, I want to say. Is that correct? I believe so, yes. Are you still hiking regularly? That's a That was a funny... Yeah. yeah? Still hiking. Still hiking. Good, still good doing it. Now, yeah. the other, other exciting thing, and as a fan of uh, uh, punk rock myself, you've got a new comic book called Minor Threats. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, Minor Threats. That comes out August 24th. This is very exciting. I'm sure you're excited. What What can you tell us about that? 
Basically, it is about a um, B-level working class blue collar supervillains who are you know operate in a city with superheroes in its own history and the big major supervillain their their equivalent of the Joker kills that city's equivalent of the Batman sidekick. Oh. So now that city's equivalent of the Justice League is ripping the city apart trying to find this big bad and it's making life miserable for all the blue collar working class villains. So they're like, why don't we capture this big guy and turn him over oh. to the superheroes so we'll get a little bit of credit and then they'll get off our backs. So that's what the story is. And now what, I, I, maybe it's obvious, what is your actual role in the uh, in this comic book? Wrote it. Wrote the whole thing. Soup to nuts? Co-wrote it with a friend of mine, uh, Jordan Blum. Okay, cool. And so I can't recall how many comic book series, this is a series, I'm guessing, uh, finite series? This is series? a series, yeah. yeah. How many yeah. such things have you done over the course I've of I've done stuff for DC, Dark Horse, Marvel, you know, single issue, stuff like that, but not like a whole series. So this is something different. Now, the name, as I alluded to earlier, is going to stand out for people like me who like uh, Ian MacKay and Fugazi and, of course, his band Minor Threat. Was it, is, this an, I, it's, is this obviously a nod to that band name or no it was it was literally we were i was talking to a cop friend of mine about what do you call like the low level skells and you and and that was one of the slang names was minor threats oh now, i don't know if that's off the band but it's you know i mean i'm, I'm aware of of minor threat they're an amazing band but i wasn't doing it as a nod to them okay all right i just was clarifying because i know you are a, a music fan generally are you still yes do you keep in keep, oh big you time listening to things constantly are you still that's yeah, a, constantly okay. listening to new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to shows? I'm still not really ready to go to a lot of shows. No, not ready to go to a show anytime <laughs> soon. Okay. Well, That's not going to be happening for a while. Sorry. So this is a, a quite an impressive litany of projects. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations on Thank all you. of it, if I may say. Uh, anything else coming up next that we should be aware of, or... Have we exhausted the... You nailed it. That's everything. Got them all, man. All right. Well, I I just want to tell you, Patton, I'm a huge fan, as you may or may not recall, and uh, it's a a pleasure to get to speak with you. And, uh, oh, sorry, I didn't do the plugs. People want to learn more about you uh, and what you're up to. Where would you like to send them on their phones and computers? Well, you can go to PattonOswald.com. You can go to at PattonOswald on Twitter, at PattonOswald on Instagram. Uh, it's all there. All right. Well, I, I and it's great. You do a great job staying on top of all that Thank stuff. You. I will say that as well. Thanks, man. Patton, I love you very much. Thank you for being on the show, and I hope we speak again soon. Thanks for having me. I hope you feel better soon, man. You too. You too. All right. Talk to you soon. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. 
Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. I have to say, I've had the great fortune of speaking with Patton Oswalt, I think three times before, formally, maybe four, three or four times before, formally, and for interviews. And uh, this was uh, my favorite one, and it's the first one for this podcast, so I just want to say I'm very happy and grateful uh, for uh, for the time that uh, I got to spend with Patton. So if you're listening out there, uh, Patton, thank you once again for appearing on this, the 705th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking... By the way, the rest of this is not just for Patton. I know I said it's, it seemed like I was talking directly to Patton there for a second. This is for everyone else. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I'm behind on, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast that is the primary source of income uh, that I receive for making uh, the show and doing all this work. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content, uh, but you can always change that if you want to go higher or lower. It's up to you. You can change it at any point. Uh, also, if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon. I'll get you one while supplies last. I have just discovered I am out of the red mediums. Uh, this is just breaking news that I just discovered. Sorry. I'm not going to replenish the stock because I've had these shirts for so long and now they're moving all of a sudden and uh, they're, um, it's good. I'm getting rid of them, but I don't think I'm going to get more. It took so long. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to... Do people want shirts? They want to order shirts on the internet? I think they do. Anyway, they are moving in a pretty good clip, so if you're interested, message me on Patreon and uh, I'll get you one while supplies last. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, respectively, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode or uh, you know, and subscribing to it or following it and telling your friends all about it. All of that helps spread the word about it and uh, helps the show grow and reach new people. So thank you for listening to this episode with Patton Oswalt. If you're unfamiliar with him, I hope you feel inclined to check out his work. It is some of the most meaningful comedy I've ever encountered in my life, and I, I really do adore him. I hope uh, uh, you check out his stuff, and if you're a big fan, I hope you enjoyed uh, this chat and his candor. And that's it. I gotta go. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.